Hey, we are so thankful that you're taking the time to tune into Grumwatt Church's podcast. It's our hope that this is an encouragement to you as you draw closer to Jesus. If you'd like to find out more about all things Grumwatt or for more info on our in-person gatherings, you can check us out at grumwatt.com. Now lean in. We're expectant for how God is going to use this time to speak to you today. Well, super excited that all of you are here today. Uh, Whether you look forward to these Sunday mornings, maybe somebody bribed you into being here. Perhaps you took a risk last week on Easter and you're like, I think I got to go to church on Easter. And then you thought, well, that wasn't horrible. I guess I can go back. It doesn't really matter to me. I am just so glad that you are here. I mean that. Uh, And it's always good timing to start making these weekly gatherings a priority after an Easter weekend, because it's pretty much a guarantee uh, that every church is going to be starting a new series, which we are definitely doing today. Uh, In fact, this is going to be a three-month journey that we are going to embark on, and I hope that you will join us for the entirety of it. Now, I recognize that's a bit of a tall order, uh, because summer is right around the corner, and we take vacations. We might be out of town. I totally understand that, but if you're not able to join us in person like you are right now, make sure you are tuning in here online Uh, because I believe this conversation is an important one, both for the follower of Jesus and the person who is just kind of beginning to lean into this whole conversation. Uh, It's something that Jesus didn't shy away from speaking about during his time on earth and churches tend to ignore. And, And I totally get that, by the way, because what we're going to be discussing here over the 10 weeks of this series, it doesn't exactly scream, hey, come join the club. You're going to love all of this. It definitely doesn't follow the blueprint, frankly, of how, hey, this is how you want to grow a church. In fact, in this particular cultural moment where we live by hashtags such as you do you and inclusive and hashtag live your best life and hashtag love yourself and hashtag love is love, that the message of Jesus, frankly, sounds a whole lot different. And what I've really come to to adore, to appreciate, to love about Jesus is he didn't hide this stuff. Jesus didn't bait and switch his followers. In fact, he was incredibly direct. But by the way, many of you who are watching right now, you've been hurt by churches and perhaps even abandoned Jesus for a season of your life because a church very much misled and deceived you. You have very much lived and experienced the bait and switch routine. And if that would describe you watching right now, I want to sincerely apologize. That is not Jesus. Religious people have a way of complicating what Jesus could not have made more clear. Jesus is refreshingly honest. In fact, one of the things that you can't help but notice as you read through the gospel accounts, that those first four books of the New Testament, that second half of the Bible, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, those four biographical accounts of the life of Jesus, one of the things you can't help but notice as you read through those four books, especially if you take off the religious filter that you were likely handed if you grew up going to church, is that Jesus said things all the time that leave you thinking, oh my God goodness, like that, that is like the most blunt thing I have ever heard in my life. It's like, Jesus, I, I don't think you can say that. But with an unflinching confidence and trueness, he challenges us to, to truly meditate on his words. Blunt, you bet. Hard to hear, often. But true, it's like hard as it is to admit, you're inevitably left thinking, I I think he's right. And and Jesus in his infinite kindness and desire to be upfront with you, with me, 
with, with all of us. He, he quite plainly tells us exactly what we're signing up for when we choose to follow him. We have one of these examples captured for us within the book of Luke. Again, one of these four biographical accounts of the life of Jesus. There it says, a large crowd was following Jesus and he being Jesus turned around and said to them. Now you gotta keep in mind that this is during the heart of Jesus's earthly ministry. His approval rating at this point is, is through the roof. Everyone in that ancient Mediterranean world wants to get a glimpse of Jesus. Him and his disciples are quite truly the hottest show on earth. And in this particular moment, Jesus has been teaching these crowds of people with these brilliant teachings, using parables and all of these beautiful metaphors and allegories. And if you're one of the disciples on this particular day, you are fully expecting Jesus to drop another bomb on this crowd that, that is just gonna leave them even hungrier for more. So seriously, you're like giddy with excitement regarding what is gonna come out of the mouth of Jesus next. But he says this, if you wanna be my disciple, you must by comparison, hate everyone else, your father and mother, wife and children, brothers and sisters, yes, even your own life. Otherwise you cannot be my disciple. You cannot be my follower. And if you do not carry your own cross and follow me, you cannot be my disciple. Now, now we can't even begin to understand just how cringeworthy this would have sounded to that original audience. Seriously, this would be like me. This is the best illustration I could come up with on this. This would be like me on the Sunday that you finally get that friend or neighbor or coworker or family member that you've literally been inviting for years to come to church. You finally get them to show up to Grumlaw. Maybe today is that day for some of you. And I get up here and pronounce seemingly out of nowhere that unless you give to this church, unless you serve here, unless you are in a group, unless you participate during worship, and unless you can produce a list of at least three people that you have shared your faith with over the course of this last week, that if you cannot check each of those boxes, then stand up and get out right now. Seriously, if you have not made those basic steps a part of your rhythm in following Christ, you are no longer welcome at this church. It is time to leave. The door is right over there. And come on, if that happened, it would get like really uncomfortable. A lot of shifting in seats. And honestly, I bet nobody would move. But me being prepared for this moment, I pull out a list. Think back to travel sports when you were eagerly awaiting, okay, did I make or did I not make the team? And I just start reading names. If you hear your name called, it is time to pack your stuff and get out. That is the type of discomfort and emotion the disciples are feeling in this particular moment. See, besides all of the hating everyone around you talk, we're gonna come back to that in a minute. He starts talking about crosses. Now, because we have the benefit of hindsight and the redemptive work of Jesus on the cross is fresh on our minds, especially with Easter just this last week, a cross for most of us, it elicits positive emotions. We celebrate the cross. We are thankful for the cross. We, we, we wear them around our necks. We attach them to our walls. We even tattoo them on our bodies. But, but up until Jesus being nailed to that cross as the once and for all solution to our collective sin problem, crossets did not elicit warm and fuzzy feelings. Crosses were a poignant, bloody, terrifying instrument for Roman torture and death. And Jesus is telling you to throw one on your back. Come on down. You're the next contestant in following me. 
They are all in that crowd that day. I mean, everyone. This is universal thinking. What in the world is he talking about? He has lost his mind. If you're one of the disciples, I'm telling you, you're immediately going to crisis management mode. You're like, okay, Jesus. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, let's everybody give it up for Jesus. Like, Jesus, what are you doing? Why did you say that? You're losing them. But Jesus looks right back at you. Like, you're the one who's lost his mind kind of brushes you to the side and he keeps on talking. Doubles down on what just came flying out of his mouth. Uh, Apparently he wasn't kidding at all. He continues, he says, don't begin until you count the cost. In other words, don't just blindly say, hey Jesus, I'm gonna follow you all the days of my life until you actually consider what you're signing up for. And just to make sure there's no confusion and we completely understand what he's saying, he leaves us with a couple of metaphors that I think we can all get our heads around. He says, don't begin until you count the cost, until you really consider what it means to follow me. And he says, for who would begin construction of a building without first calculating the cost to see if there's enough money to finish it? Otherwise, you might complete only the foundation before running out of money, and then everyone would laugh at you. They would say, there's the person who started that building and couldn't afford to finish it. Or what king would go to war against another king without first sitting down with his counselors to discuss whether his army of 10,000 could defeat the 20,000 soldiers marching against him. And if he cannot, he will send a delegation to discuss terms of peace while the enemy is still far away, knowing that there's no chance that they could actually win the battle. Jesus is imploring you, don't just get emotionally sucked into this on a whim. Consider the life that I'm calling you to. Consider what it means to actually follow me. Now, I'm gonna be very, very direct in what I'm about to share right now. One of the things that the pandemic revealed within the American Christian church in particular, that truthfully, most of us, and in particular, those of us who work for a church, probably knew existed, but we just didn't really want to admit, was how rampant lukewarm faith was within our church communities. And I, like many of you, I spent a good chunk of time upon regathering in person, grieving those who hadn't returned and frankly, likely never will wondering if, if I did something wrong, wondering how we could get these people back. That, that they are people to this day that I still care deeply about. But, and I, I recognize I'm about to make a, a pretty blanket statement. It's not true for everyone, but it is true for most, that they are the very people who did not count the cost. And when following Jesus got even mildly inconvenient, like so many in this crowd in this particular day when Jesus was teaching, they said, nah, we're good. Jesus, this isn't what we thought we were signing up for. And in a world with endless choices where convenience and personal satisfaction reigned supreme, they swiped left. So see, last week on Easter, we really drove this home, but it's something that we mention all the time around here. Church, but believing is easy. (laughs) Come on, it's not that hard to put your faith in a guy who successfully predicted his own death and resurrection, like he actually pulled that off. The God of the universe made the standard by which we get that right standing back with God incredibly simple. Faith, belief, trust, synonymous terms, that is it. It is faith and faith alone. 
But as Jesus would tell us over and over and over again during his time on earth, as the lives of the disciples would reveal to us, as our own lives have demonstrated to us, following is hard. Following Jesus is no joke. It it is not a life of ease and comfort. It is an all-out war waged against self and a commitment to leverage everything that God has given you, time, talents, resources, treasure for his kingdom. So my intention here over these next 10 weeks, following lockstep with the example provided by Jesus himself, is to make very clear to all of you, to the best of my ability, to make very clear to the Grumlaw family what exactly, and more importantly, who exactly you are signing up for when you choose to follow Jesus. No bait and switch. No, come on, Shay, I wish I would have known that. Let's just put it all on the table and take an honest look at the life that Jesus invites us to live. Let's, using the words of Jesus himself, count the cost. Now, before we go any further, Uh, I know I need it. I think probably all of you need it. Uh, I just want to pause and pray uh, for humility uh, and that God would so clearly, clearly speak to us. Heavenly Father, um, I thank you for your honesty. I thank you that you are not the bait and switch kind of God that, um, man, in fact, throughout the Gospels, again, I'm just so reminded all the time of just how upfront you were with all of this. You weren't trying to hide it. You're a God who's just like, you, you lay it all on the table for us. And I appreciate that. I, I thank you for that. I pray that we would be a people who are marked by our humility. And um, for anyone watching right now, we would be ready to receive whatever it is you want to speak to us here over the course of this series. We love you so, so much. It's your name we pray. Amen. Now, today kind of serves as a teaser for the rest of this series, the introduction with the remaining nine weeks comparing and contrasting the way of Jesus uh, with the way of the world. Uh, To perhaps tickle your buy and bone, we're gonna speak about topics like discipline over comfort, truth over acceptance, honor over slander, service over self, admission over concealment, and, and many more. Hopefully that sounds exciting to at least a couple of you. Uh, But today, for the remainder of our time together, uh, I wanna return to a thought that I intentionally breezed past initially. Again, Jesus looks right at this crowd and he says, hey, if you wanna be my disciple, you wanna be one of my followers, you must, by comparison, hate everyone else. And then he gives us examples. He's like your father and mother, wife and children, brothers and sisters. Yes, even your own life. Otherwise, you cannot be my disciple. Like, what's up with that? (laughs) I thought Jesus was all about love. In fact, isn't this whole Christianity thing just like one giant Christian version of Woodstock? I thought it was like even a sin to even use the word hate. And interestingly enough, Jesus circles back to this thought at the end of this conversation. He again gives those metaphors about going to war and building a house and, you know, tells you, hey, to count the cost. And then he ties a bow on it by making the statement that, If I'm honest, it kind of feels like it's out of left field. It doesn't really seem like it connects. He says, so you cannot become my disciple, my follower, without giving up everything you own. It's like, what? Hating my parents? Giving up everything I own? Jesus, this doesn't even seem possible. The lesson is twofold for us for everyone who would currently wear the label of Christian and for those even considering following Jesus. When when following Jesus, number one, nothing 
is off limits. Uh, when I uh, got to college, God began to uh, break me of something that, um, if I'm honest, up to that point in my life was left entirely unchecked. Uh, there was such a deep seed of selfishness inside of Shaprist, and that most commonly manifested itself in an unwillingness to really share anything that I owned. I didn't like people looking at my stuff. I didn't like people going near my things. It made me anxious. I would lock my door in the house that I lived in with other guys because I didn't want them going in and possibly touching anything. I mean, I was like borderline neurotic. Like it was everything like, don't, don't go near Shay's stuff. And slowly but surely, God began to fix this. He began to shape and mold this in me that rather than selfishness, there began to be this humility. He placed people in my life who began to call this out in my life. I began to see how ugly this was inside of me. But, but if I'm honest, here I got to about my senior year and I felt like, oh my goodness, I've come so far, but I still had one holdout. <laughs> so embarrassing to admit now out loud. But, but the last thing that I really wouldn't let anyone near was my computer. My laptop, it contained so much of what was near and dear to my heart, pictures, right, and videos, and all these assignments, all the work that I had accumulated over four years. What if somebody dropped it? What if the hard drive crashed when somebody else was using it? I didn't want anyone to touch my laptop. You could not go near my computer. It was password protected. If you asked, the answer was gonna be no. And as silly as that sounds for me to say out loud, come on, this is how many of us approach Jesus. When we choose to follow him, he doesn't ask for access to some areas of our lives, but all areas. Nothing is off limits. There's no sacred cow in the corner that we still get to keep for ourselves. We don't get to pick and choose. It's like, okay, Jesus, you can be Lord over all of this stuff over here, but I still wanna hang on to my wallet. But my finances, don't look at me, Jesus. I got that part under control. God, I hand over everything to you except my sexuality. You can have it all, Lord. Unless you keep telling me to adopt, at which point I'd really appreciate it if you back off. Nothing is off limits. When we choose to follow Jesus, we are offering him a blank check. Now, I recognize I'm about to lose like half the crowd right now and really appeal to that younger generation because who writes checks at this point, but stick with me. Uh, back in the day when we were riding our horses to church, we had these things called checks. That This is what they looked like, right? Up here, you would write the date. Here, you would write the individual's name that you wanted to receive the money. Over here, you would actually put in the numbers, the dollar amount. And then here, you would write it and you would have to make sure that these two numbers correlate. It was their kind of way of checking there. And then the last step would be signing the check right here as your stamp to kind of say, hey, I hereby entrust this money. I choose to give this money to the individual who is written on this line. Now, but for those of you, uh, kind of my generation on up, you, you probably remember this exercise at least a couple of times in your life when you would quite literally write somebody a blank check. You would write in the date, You'd fill in their name and then you'd skip this step. You wouldn't put anything here and you wouldn't put anything here. And then you'd sign your name and you hand it over. And again, an unnerving experience. You start to ask yourself some serious questions in that moment. Like, what if this person like, decides to bleed my bank account and flee the country? It's like, I, I, I thought I trusted my brother-in-law, but... Now I'm maybe starting to question that. I held onto that piece of paper pretty tight when I handed it over. 
Jesus clearly tells us here and elsewhere, when we choose to follow him, we are offering our lives as a blank check. We put our yes on the table before he even asked the question. We sign our names without filling in the amount because we trust him. He proved himself trustworthy when he offered his life for our sin. And now he asks us to trust him in return. But, but the truth is, is that most of us, we prefer the gift card method. See, with a gift card, you know exactly what you're on the hook for. When the gift card gets used up, not your problem. If your friend uses that $25 Best Buy gift card that you gave him to purchase an 84-inch high-definition television and they still owe $1,975 on it, that is on him, not you. Gift cards allow you to remain in control. But Jesus makes it very clear right here, gift cards not accepted. I am a blank check kind of God. Nothing, nothing is off limits. And then when following Jesus, number two, he forever holds first place. To, to, to be very, very clear, Jesus is not saying that you have to hate your family in order to follow him. No, no what he's doing, he's driving home the point that by comparison to the intense and the deep love that you have for him, the love that you have for mere mortals is lacking, or to use his words, closer to resembling hate than love. And if ever faced with the dilemma of loyalty to family versus loyalty to Jesus, your default position is Jesus because he forever holds first place. See, for many people, this isn't just like a provocative thought exercise, but real life. In a society that increasingly labels Christianity as right-winged, hateful, exclusive, bigoted, it's not becoming more popular to follow Jesus. And for many people, even those right here within this faith community, it has meant being completely cut off from coworkers, neighbors, friends, and yes, even family. J Jesus tells us, expect it. Total self-denial, absolute surrender. He says, I am first. Just five chapters earlier, Jesus gives an equally heartwarming speech and he summarizes all of this so well. He says, if any of you wants to be my follower, you must give up your own way. Other translations read, deny yourself, take up your cross daily and follow me. No bait and switch. No, well, Jesus, you never told us that. Just direct Honest Jesus being painfully straightforward. If you want to be my follower, he says, you got to give up your own way. Take up your cross daily and follow me. Deny yourself. You no longer call the shots. Jesus does. You are no longer master of your domain. Jesus is. No longer do you live for you, but for him. It's like, well, Jesus, where in the heck is that going to take me? And with a grin, Jesus looks at you and says, don't worry about that. Follow me. I died on a cross for you. That is how much I love you. I have demonstrated my trust to you. Now it's your turn. 
Remember, when Jesus carried his cross up to Golgotha to be crucified, no one was thinking of the cross as symbolic of a burden to carry. It, It represented nothing but a torturous death. But now think about this. We look at it as a symbol of hope, grace, and love. A calling to die to ourselves. Absolute surrender to the king of the universe who got off of his throne for you. 